0: Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on what the future might have in store for U.S. tax policy and infrastructure, along with how the Biden administration is approaching relations with China and more. Joining me here on the line today for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C so Shane as always it's great to be with you looking forward to diving into some of these topics and thank you for joining us on the podcast
1: good to be with you as always Dan and uh I hope you're doing well, and uh, I hope everyone had a good St. Patrick's
0: Day. Likewise, yeah, it's it's hard to believe that came and went, right? But uh, here we are. So there's a few topics we want to hit on today. I know maybe as we're speaking at this point, the U.S. and China they're in the process of kicking off a summit in Alaska. So I'm curious what the purpose of this gathering is. It sounds like it might be the first of the new Biden administration with China. What do you anticipate might come from this summit? What will be covered, and who are the key players involved here
1: yeah a lot of great questions there dan and and you're right this is uh being held in alaska which is always noteworthy where these are um you know i think uh home turf is always preferred so uh biden uh, and his team are happy to have this on u.s soil um representing the u.s secretary of state uh tony blinken and national security advisor jake sullivan um some of their counterparts from china include uh State Councilor Wang Yi, and uh, Chinese Communist uh, Party Foreign Affairs Chief Ying Jici, uh, but you know I think there will be a variety of topics
0: uh,
1: covered at this uh, meeting. You know, trade, human rights, um, China's assertiveness in the South China Sea, uh, China asking China to push North Korea. Um, to uh, uh, de-escalate and get rid of the nuclear program because I think uh, most of us recognize that the best chance for North Korea to denuclearize would be from pressure from China. Um, But, you know, it's very interesting because, you know, one side is really going in with an agenda um, and the other side is going with a different agenda. So, you know, the U.S. wants to talk about human rights and China's assertiveness in South Korea and Getting their help on North Korea, while um, China is really thinking about you know trade and getting the, the tariffs removed from Chinese goods, um, and also not backing down from you know some some of these issues that the U.S. cares about. At the end of the day, I think this is you know as you mentioned, this is the first meeting, so a lot of it is to try and get a sense of um, the other side and their positioning. You know, obviously you know we're not new to this relationship but you know with president biden taking the oval office over you know china while they are familiar with him as vice president they're trying to gauge him as president and his stance so this is almost kind of a you know um a first date if you will where they're just trying to get to see well what's your interest you know do you do you like uh, walks in the park or do you like walks on the beach, right? Um, I'm being a little glib there, but you get the sense that it is just that initial meeting where they're just trying to get to understand each other and then have a better handle on you know where there may be areas to agree upon in the future.
0: Yeah to your point, an uh, interesting point, the dynamic you mentioned, how both sides will be approaching this meeting. I mean to be a fly on the wall, it will be interesting to hear what comes from this initial summit as well as to see how this relationship with the US and China progresses in the years to come. So more to come there, but thank you for the preview, Shane, and looking forward to following up on that. Uh, now Shane, I know this past Monday and this is on the heels of of president biden's national address last week as well as the passage of that 1.9 trillion dollar fiscal stimulus bill president biden kicked off this week his help is here national tour so shane where will president biden be visiting across the country and what does he hope that this tour will accomplish
1: so first uh um, recognize it's not just president biden you know um first lady dr joe biden will be participating um vice president uh kamala harris and her husband doug uh the second gentleman will be uh participating and you know there are going to be stops all over new hampshire pennsylvania out west you know nevada um so there are of components of this but the, the main focus is to try and you know um sell this recovery package that was just passed you know i think um you know a a dc fear is that you pass something and then you don't uh tout all the good it does or at least in your mind all the good it does um because if you don't do that it's forgotten and then two weeks later uh, the american people say well what have you done for me now so this is kind of an education tour to try and uh, help uh, the American people understand what's in this $1.9 trillion package. You know, uh, people will probably be very familiar with the stimulus checks that are hitting people's bank accounts right now, but, you know, um, the $14 billion for uh, vaccines, you know, and, and helping people understand that we're doing uh, more and more vaccines every day are being going into the arms of people because of pieces of legislation like this. Um, also, you know, talking about, you know, why kids can go back to school safely because of the investments made in this bill. So there is more to this. It is a big PR job. It is to try and build um, some confidence for Democrats. And, and, you know, if they get uh, people buy in, you know, they're hoping that the American people will, will become a little bit more Um, confident in the government and, you know, therefore build, uh, they'll be able to build off of this Uh, win and move on to the next issue.
0: Well, it sounds like it will be a very productive tour, a lot of ground to cover, so thank you for providing us with some highlights there, Shane. Uh, Another topic I wanted to bring up, I know there have been some rumblings about potential updates or changes to tax policy. What exactly have we been hearing in recent days, Shane, and what might we see materialize and when?
1: With the passage of this, uh, covid bill that we just talked about you know there's a pivot from lawmakers okay you know they're still going to try and talk sell this bill as i talked about but then they're going to move to the next issue and the next issue is infrastructure and a tax bill and the tax bill um you know it's not something that will come together as quickly as you know these covid release relief packages have um tax measures often take you know months if not years to uh, come to fruition. So you're going to start hearing about it more and more and more. Um, I think the reality is, though, that, it, as I said, it takes a while to develop. I think the goal here for Democrats is to pass a tax bill by July, you know, before they go to that August recess district work period. Uh, but there is a good possibility it slips into September, October and Q4 in general. Um, but the work is beginning now. You're seeing the contours being laid out uh, but a lot of the details uh, will be um, debated and filled in later. So, you know, the contours are are some of the highlights that you've heard before, like increasing uh, the corporate tax rate from today's 21% to 28%, increasing the tax rate on the highest earners, American, uh, back up to 39.6%, um, increasing the tax on capital gains. Um, You know, President Biden has talked about increasing capital gains for the highest earners all the way up to uh, uh, ordinary income tax rates. So under this theory of increase, he wants to increase the top bracket back up to thirty nine point six. Some people could uh, see a doubling of the capital gains tax rate if this happens. Now, I would say I think, you know, there's going to be give and take during the debate. So, you know, for cap gains, I think cap gains will be raised if this bill actually passes. But I think it'll be more something closer to, like, 28% than 396 because I think you're going to, throughout this process, see some moderates push back on certain items and try and deliver, in their minds, more balanced bill. But this is going to be something we're going to be following all year long and talking about, uh, I'm sure, with you, but also in the Washington Weekly um, because, obviously, this will have a huge impact on not only the, the economy, the economy. Um, but everyone listening to this podcast, you know, whether it be financial advisors or the
0: clients. To your point, Shane, it's a big point of interest for many of us. And it sounds like there's some runway ahead of us before this legislation really picks up steam. But it's important to know that conversations are happening today. It's important to know the implications, what might be impacted. So uh, thank you for level setting that for us today, Shane. And to your point, we will indeed have many follow up conversations on this topic as the year progresses. Uh, maybe one more topic we can touch. Touch on this week. I know we've been hearing about, and mind you, as I mentioned before, we're just coming off that $1.9 trillion fiscal bill, but a potential infrastructure bill, which congressional Democrats have coined as transformational. So Shane, what might such a bill contain? And is there bipartisan support for this initiative right now? Yeah, so the
1: infrastructure uh, bill, you know, in, in theory is uh, bipartisan. You have lawmakers
0: from both sides of the
1: article that want to do something on infrastructure that would uh, be impactful and meaningful, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, the bridge you drive over or um, the highway that you take to, you know, go visit family, etc. So, you know, there is bipartisanship there. But once you start um, going beyond there, you know, you start losing bipartisanship because you start talking about the size, You know, I've heard anything from, you know, one trillion to three trillion, possibly four trillion. Um, you know, when you start getting to those larger dollar amounts, you start losing Republicans. And that's before you even get to the debate of whether to pay for it or not. Um, if you pay for it from the tax bill that we just, uh, discussed, you know, you're going to lose pretty much all Republican support for it. So this, you know, this is going to be one to follow. Um, I think it, it can pass. Um, but it, it's it's going to be uh, pretty in- interesting to see how how it comes together. Now you mentioned uh, some people are referring to it as transformational, and that's um, Democrats who are starting to work on this. See this as transformational, um, you know, one because of its size and you know really trying to put a, a big investment into our infrastructure. Um, You know the Society of Civil Engineers comes out with their annual report, and they just came out with it, and uh, they gave a C minus rating to our nation's infrastructure, which is actually up from uh, previous years when it was a D plus. So they really see us transforming our nation's infrastructure, but also in the green energy space. You know, I don't think the Green New Deal is going to be passed into law. I think. Democrats uh, see this as an avenue actually to uh, pursue some of those ideas they care about on the green uh, side. So it's transformational because uh, Democrats will try and include things like green energy and uh, into this infrastructure bill and take kind of a, um, a wider approach to the word infrastructure, not just think about bridges and highways, but also think about, you know, Making buildings green, making your home more energy efficient and green, um, trying to encourage um, electric vehicles and electric charging stations for those vehicles, etc. So you know, this this bill, if it does come to fruition, and if it is on the scale that Democrats hope it will be, um, it will be uh, transformational in, in a very real sense.
0: Well, I can say I have fallen victim to quite a few potholes on my local highway system. So some overhaul is indeed in order. But as you outline what this bill would address, a lot of key important items there. And to your point, Shane, another item that we will continue to track very closely. But a, Shane, very productive conversation this week, both near, and long term. Plenty here that we can follow up on. So in the meantime, though, wish you a nice weekend and looking forward to picking back up the conversation again next week. Thanks, Dan.
1: Uh, I hope everyone stays safe and uh, hope you can start to enjoy some spring weather this weekend and talk to you real soon.
0: Absolutely. Looking forward to it and likewise. Thank you, Shane. And again, today we have been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy, in Washington, D.C. As a reminder to our clients and listeners, please be sure to reference the latest edition of the Washington Weekly publication, which can be located on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the Washington Weekly publication directly. The Washington Weekly podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify,
1: As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements.